Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. So good to see such a tremendous crowd this morning. Excited about what God's going to do. Just want to remind you, as Brother Trey said, there will be service tonight. The multi-purpose room will be available for prayer at 530 if you'd like to come and pray. I do know in that service we've got a couple of things that we're going to do. I know the fiery evangelist, Brother James Phillips, will be bringing a little sermonette, one of the things that we're doing, so I know he'll be speaking. Our youth pastor, Brother Josh, is going to be preaching tonight, looking forward to what God's going to do. Amen? Amen. Before we go any further, I do want to give honor to our great pastor. I know that he's out of town, and we hear it so much, but if you're a guest here, and I'm looking around, if you're a guest here and you've never heard our pastor, Jason Staten, preach you to, you owe it to yourself to come back when he's home. He's not just a great preacher. He might be the best preacher that ever stepped in shoe leather. That's my opinion. I'm entitled to it. And I know there are a lot of folks who agree with me. Amen. We do give honor to our first lady, Sister Valerie Staten, and their family. We do appreciate them so much. Glad that she's here. Amen. Tremendous leadership. If you're looking for a church that has great leadership, you have found that church. Amen. We have great leadership, great vision, and great ability. We're glad to have Brother Cade Wallace here. Brother Cade, wave your hand. Everybody knows who you are. He preached here, I think, just a couple of weeks ago. Brother Cade is going to be here for the entire summer, and uh, we're going to find lots of stuff for him to do. He's going to be working as an intern, and we're so glad to have him here. Glad to have everybody here. Good to see, hallelujah, all of our friends and family today. Welcome to the E family. We're so glad that you're here. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Daniel. Chapter 1, I want to read a very familiar portion of Scripture. I'm going to do something that will help you and me. I told the group this morning as we gathered that I felt like preaching for two hours. And everybody in that room said, go ahead. But I told them that in this room that the response might be a little bit different. But I wasn't certain of that, so I'll try to limit that some. So I'm going to put a timer on. Back in the old days, you used to say, what does it mean when a preacher looks at his watch? And we'd, we'd come back and say, absolutely nothing. And so I want to preach what the Lord has placed on my heart tonight, or this morning actually. Daniel chapter 1, familiar reading in your hearing, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake to Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and in knowledge and in understanding science 
and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuch gave names. He gave unto Daniel the name Belshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and of Azariah of Abednego. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Two thousand fourteen marked the three hundredth anniversary of the passing of the Longitude Act. It was also the year when the remains of the British second rate ship of line association were officially protected. The reason why is that this shipwreck changed the course of maritime history. It can be traced back to a single navigational error made one stormy night in the year seventeen oh seven. Early sea navigators could find accurate latitude, their ships positioned north or south of the equator by observing the sun. Longitude, which is the east or west measurement, was calculated by estimations of speed and course from a given position at a given time and known as dead reckoning. This method risked cumulative error. It was compounded by the variables of wind, current, and tide. The impossibility of keeping accurate time at sea where motion and temperature were constantly changing and it could affect the timepieces of the day. The possibility of miscalculating longitude at sea was a serious problem in an era of expanding Navy and mercantile marine. Ship after ship, unaware of their exact location, made unexpected landfall on the rocks and the sandbars and were wrecked. The British government realized that it was crucial that they put a stop to this high toll in ships and in men. And on a night in October 1707 was the final catalyst for this action. This 21st of October, a fleet of 21 ships homeward bound from the Mediterranean entered the English Channel in a stormy weather led by their flagship association. Sir Cloudlessly Chauvel conferred with his fleet about where they were longitudinally, and it was agreed that they had reached the French island of Ushant, right off the coast of Brittany. In fact, they were much further north near the Isles of Scilly, which marked the northern approaches of the channel. That following night, association smashed into the rocks west of Scilly, followed by the ship Eagle and Romney and Firebrand. All four ships with over 2,000 men sunk and were lost at sea with only 25 mariners who survived. It's important for us to note that wind and tide, a current, they affect every vessel, no matter how big or how small. We need to understand that these are variables. Now, I, I am a boater, and I do boat out on the Chesapeake Bay, and I can tell you that they have this thing called a, a small craft advisory, and, and I've got a, a rather good-sized boat, but in the relative terms of, of seamanship, it's a small craft. And when they advise me that I should stay home, I'm pretty good at staying home. I've found by, by action that it's, it's not the place that I want to be. 
But the truth of the matter is, when the wind begins to blow, it changes the atmosphere. The tide rises vertically and the current moves horizontally upon the water. And it, the, the things that you can notice very readily is that the tide, you can see that over time. The tide rises every six hours and then it begins to fall for about six hours. This process is repeated every 24 hours at least a couple of times. But current is something that you just can't identify very easily. Currents are much more subtle and they work under the surface and if you don't really know what it is that you're looking at the current will bypass your eye and you will not know what's happening because it's working in a place that you can't see and so the reality is that many a good swimmer has been caught in the current and swept out to sea and it's easy for a person in the spiritual sense who is simply just drifting along to suddenly be, become aware that I have moved. Anybody ever been there? You've been out on the water and you're enjoying the great time and the sun is nice and warm. And all of a sudden you realize you're just not where you were. And, and you've moved from where you thought you were. And all of a sudden you can't believe that you've moved. And then the reality even goes a step, a step further and we realize we've moved further than we ever believed that we could. And so wind and tide and currents are found in water. But Jesus spoke of the currents of life when he said that the wind is going to blow in every life. And certainly we understand that it's like that, not just in the natural realm, but also in the spiritual realm, that life has its ups and its downs. We could, we could liken that unto tide. It's going to move up and then it's going to move down. You may be down to up, you may be down today, but if you'll hang on, Jesus will bring you up. You may be up today, but if you'll hang on, life has a way of bringing you down. And so while that is perceptible movement that we can understand, there are currents that are at work in our world today. And all of those currents are not as perceptible to our senses as they might be. And so each one of these currents is pulling us in a different direction. It's easy to get caught up in the ebb and the flow of a swiftly moving current. Can I get an amen? You don't have to live very long to recognize that those powerful currents can attach themselves to the soul and they can carry the unaware believer to a place of spiritual shipwreck. The writer in the book of Hebrews addresses this very subject of spiritual drifting. He said the result of the current that was there, he said, therefore, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, we ought to give the more earnest other translations say you need to play, you need to pay closer attention to the things which we've heard because at any time they could slip. I recognize that there has to be some, some gravity when we talk about these things. When we begin to look at those things, I am, I am a mariner. I like to be out on the water, but I am anyone who's ever been out with me, I am a safety first guy. I, I won't let a young person out there without a life jacket on, and, and, and I, I'll make sure I, I, I know I bore some people. When you get on my boat, I'll give you a little safety brief. The, the fire extinguisher's there, and this is what, here's the number if you need to call for help, and there's the radio, and here's how you use it. And people look at me like, man, you're stupid. I don't know how to use radio, but I want to make sure. Because if I'm the one that's in need, I, I, I want to make sure. Now, you can be mad at me if you want to be mad at me, and you can be bored if you want to be bored, but if it's my boat, I'm the captain of that boat, and my boat, my rules. I think that's on the wall of my office, but there's a spirit that is at work in our world, and it's not a new spirit. 
but it's a particularly strong spirit. It's an incredibly difficult current to, to understand. And this, this spirit, I'm going to name it this morning as a, as a spirit or a current of compromise. Now, we know, we understand what compromise is. How many of you husbands understand compromise? We, we do, but we probably don't understand it as much as our wives do. But compromise is a situation where, hear me now, where people will accept something different from what they really want. Or they'll accept something that is different than what they really know to be true because they're in a circumstance or there is a situation going on. And the reality, the truth is that life is filled with compromise. I, I know I, I don't really want to get up and go to work tomorrow morning, but I'm going to compromise because there is kind of that give and take effect that I, I think I heard something about earlier that if I don't go to work, my boss is not going to, he's not going to compromise and pay me anyway. But in relationships, we all have to be ready to compromise. Can I get another amen? amen. But compromise, we we need compromise in our life because compromise is a great way to settle differences. Anybody ever been there, right? We show our ability to get along with others simply by making some, some concessions. And so compromise from a spiritual sense well, would be defined by two very easy to understand words. When you compromise, you settle for something less than what you really wanted or what you knew to be true, or you make a concession. And so we, we compromise oftentimes because we're considering not what we want, but what somebody else wants. And so no matter what the reason, we're settling for something different than what we initially decided we wanted. And, and many times in life, that there comes a cost with that. Well, we're, we'll settle for this. I, I really wanted to drive the Mercedes, but the cost made me settle for a Ford. And, and, and we understand how that works, right? And so... The truth is for us as spiritual entities, as spiritual beings, that every single day of life we're given a choice of how we're going to live. We are given a choice of which path we're going to follow. And when these times of decision come, we all want to make godly choices. We all want to make the right choice because those crossroads of life are ultimately going to determine our spiritual destinies and our Choices, someone said, will even define us. But our text this morning is about four very specific young men who came to this crossroad, to this place of decision in their lives, and their choice was that they could either compromise, they could either settle, they could either make some concessions, they could either settle for less than what God had intended for them, or they could stand their ground and live for God. Those names that I read to you, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are familiar names to us, and we know them as members of the heroes of faith, men whose stories are told over and over and over again. But the truth is, these were not men as we know men, but they literally were young men. The, according to commentators, they were 14 or 15 years old. But the decisions that they would make at this point in their life would have ramification and effects on them for the rest of their lives. And so these young men faced some very specific problems. Each problem had the potential to derail their lives and lead them off on a spiritual ta tangent. So this morning, I want to look at all oh, 20 or 30 of these problems. Not really, maybe five or six. First, they were, they were faced with a new home. Now, now, a new home sounds pretty nice to some of you. I'd like a new house, right? We're moving on up. We're, 
right? We're going to find a better place. But this wasn't like moving across town or moving to another state. They were, notice this, they were involuntarily moved to a different country. That, that, that's kind of that, that's difficult, right? It, it wasn't by choice, but they were picked up by people that they didn't know and taken to a place that they didn't want to go. And so everything around them was different. And so these young men had been brought up in and around Jerusalem, and they, they were princes. They were king's kids. They were children of kings. And so they were, in a very real sense, not used to this type of treatment. And so their lives up to this point had been lives filled with privilege. Anybody got an amen? amen. All of y'all were filled with privilege. God bless you. So these young men were constantly reminded their entire lives of these 14 or 15 years, they were reminded about Jehovah God and his importance in their life. And they, they were taught about the temple and they were taught about worship and they were taught the meaning of sacrifice. They were taught tremendous truths of the word of God. And now, in a moment of time, suddenly they've been uprooted and hauled off to the nation of Babylon. And immediately their surroundings have changed. And they look around and there's, there's heathen worship. And they look around and there's heathen images and there's heathen people and all of the things that they've been taught. that That's heathen, you don't do that. That's heathen, you don't go there. That's heathen, you don't act like that. And, and more than what your mama said, they had been drilled into them by teachers and priests and scribes. And so I'm certain this was a terrifying experience. And survival mode would have been kicked in. Anybody, anybody ever been there, right? Oh, Lord, what do I got to do to get out of here? The easy choice would have been to conform. The easy choice would have been to fit in because all of a sudden there were no more godly parents around them. All of a sudden there was not the reference point of the temple. It was destroyed. There were no longer priests or scribes or no one to talk to them about the goodness of God. They were all alone. They were in a completely different world, in a world where they didn't know anything or anyone. It would have been easy. It would have been easy. I wouldn't have been mad at him. I wouldn't have been upset with him for settling for less than what they'd been taught. It would have been easy for them to make some concessions. And I, I would not accuse them. After all, survival is the most important thing. But I want someone to understand it's easy to wake up one morning. It's easy in a spiritual sense to get going down the path of this life and to wake up one morning and say, wait a minute, something has changed. My reference point is moved. My position is no longer certain. Can I tell you that over thousands of years, not much really has changed. The danger is just as real. There's a spiritual danger in the church. The spirit of compromise is a current that is moving across our nation. It's calculating. It's Come on, I come to preach to good people the word of God that there's a spirit of compromise. You can't see it working. It's not vertical. It doesn't go up and down, but it's moving under the surface of society. Sister Staten, I'm tired of watching good people settle for less than what God wants them to have. I'm tired of watching good people that love God, that know the truth of this word, and they're making concession after concession after concession. Let me tell you, my friend, you've got to stand the test of time. If a 14-year-old can make a decision to live for God, then why can't we? Come on, you can sit on me if you want to, but I'm preaching the word this morning. If a 14-year-old can determine in his... In navigation, 
dead reckoning is the process of calculating your current position. It's calculating the position of a moving object by using a previously determined position, or they call it in aviation, a fix. It's not so difficult for us to understand our latitude. Latitude is really very easy because latitude depends on the equator and the North Pole and the South Pole. And so if I can look at the sun and I can determine, I know when the sun is at its highest point, that's the noonday. And I can relatively look and say, okay, that way's north, that way's south, that way's hotter than this way. So that's where the equator is. I can figure that out. And I can know where I am in the latitude. But when you begin to talk about longitude because longitude moves east and west and there's no definite reference point but you got to understand that current is moving and the wind is blowing and as they began to sail across the ocean those navigators would look and they would try to determine where they were by the timepiece but all of that motion began to affect those ancient timepieces and they would be off and they would miss it can I tell somebody that the church is still the longitude reference point for the people of God. I know. I know. That's all you ever preach about is the church. But this is where I get my longitude. I don't have a problem with latitude. I can see by the hot noonday sun. I can tell where I'm at. But when the current begins to move, when compromise begins to creep in, when the spirit begins to move me away, then I don't know my relative position. And so those ships crashed upon the rocks. Because they thought they were someplace that they were not. And so I want to preach to some good people this morning about the dead reckoning of compromise. I'm telling you, it's not enough just to know where you are in the latitude axis. you got to know where you are in the east and west axis. you got to know where you are in the longitude. Brother Josh, in 19... 19- 73, they come up with this concept called GPS, Global Positioning Satellites. In 1978, they launched a bunch of satellites around the earth, and you can literally pick up your phone, and you can determine your exact location on the earth. But I I, I have looked all over through my apps on my phone, and I haven't found a spiritual app yet that I can determine exactly where I am in the spiritual realm. And somebody has to understand that no matter what the cause, no matter what the reason, when we begin to separate ourselves from the godly influences that we're going to find only in the house of God, there is emotion. There is something working under the surface that is trying to pull you off of course. It's trying to move you away from the promise of God. It's trying to move you. And you may think you're hair, but you may not be. Oh, come on, somebody. I don't want to navigate into the rocks. I don't want to make shipwreck out of my faith, but I'm You might be in Babylon. You might be in an unfamiliar place. But there's one thing you can know. You can find your latitude and you can find your longitude in the house of God. You need the influence of the body. You may not know it, but there's something moving. Oh, come on, somebody. How many times has has that mariner looked around and said, where did that anchor go? I know I put it in here, but now I'm just drifting. My engine's not working, and I have no way to anchor the boat. 
And spiritually, I have seen some good people, some great people. I'm telling you, they have tried to anchor their lives themselves. But my friend, the only anchor that's ever going to hold you is the Word of God. Come on. The storm is going to come. Time is going to happen. Motion is going to happen. There is a current of compromise that is fighting against the church. But if you're not anchored by the Word of God, you will drift away. Can I take it just a little bit deeper? I know online church is a thing of 2021, but every time you miss getting together with the body of Christ, you're missing an integral component. I know the Bible says, and pastors preach it, and Brother Roberts has preached it, and we've taught it, forsake not the assembly. It's so important. Let me tell you how important it is. In navigation, they tell me when you're looking longitudinally at navigation, that one degree, that drift of one degree out of a 360-degree spectrum, a drift of one degree will move you off your target by one mile if you travel 60 miles. If you were to get in a car and drive straight, it's an impossibility to San Diego and never correct your course, you would miss San Diego, California by at least 50 miles. That's not even close. That's not hand grenade close. That might not be atomic bomb close. Well, it's just one church service. It's just a Wednesday night Bible study, and it'll be okay, I'll... I'll watch it online. I'm glad that you can watch online, but I promise you it doesn't have the same relevance as being in the house of God. It just doesn't do it. It's just not the same. You can sit at home and watch on the TV and you can still begin. Why? Because you're distracted. Because so many, but when I'm in the house of God, there's a, a, re, a recalibration. There's a recal. I can take that one degree out. Oh, come on, somebody. When we begin to lift our hands and magnify God, the Spirit comes in and begins to move you. Come on, somebody. Preach with me for just a moment. There's a calibration needed because I can get it. Well, there's pastor. There's the church. There's the temple. I got, I got latitude, but longitude. I got to walk out those doors. And this is what we've got to understand as the people of God, that every time you walk out those doors, there's motion you can't see. Every time you step out into that, into that horrible world that we live in, there's uncertainty. There's something that you just can't. And there's a, you can't see it, but that current's moving. That current's working. It's trying to move you away from the truth of God's word. It's just so easy to compromise. It's just so easy. But here's what Paul said, and you know what? He said, I'm begging you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. But I got a point I got to make. You can't present nothing to God if you're just not here. Can't do it. You can't do it. You can't make a sacrifice. He goes on and says, don't be conformed. Don't you make concessions to the world. It's moving quickly. It's changing constantly. Wow. I'm the same as I was 20 years ago. No, you're not. 
I feel the same about things that I did 10 years ago. No, you don't. Because every moment of every day, there's a spirit that's at work. There's a spirit that's at work that's trying to move you away. I still know the message. I've got my latitude right. I still believe in repentance. I still believe in baptism in Jesus' name. I still believe in the, in the infill of the Holy Ghost. That's latitude. What about longitude? Now you've got to travel east and west. Now it's one thing to find your latitude, but now you've got to walk that line. Now you've got to walk with emotion, and there's a rocking of the ship, and the wind is blowing, and the tide is moving. I'm telling you, I'm right. Our attitude begins to slip, and we begin to remember the good old times. The devil wants to take away your home. I don't think it's any coincidence that COVID happened. I don't think, I'm not some conspiracy theorist, but I don't think it's some coincidence. Uh, I believe they will, I believe the enemy wants to do everything he can to close the doors of every house of God because he knows how vitally important it is. Come on, somebody, how many times have you come in and you thought everything was just right and the preacher began to read your mail and to preach everything but your name and you said, oh, Lord, I'm not right. I've drifted a little bit. I've got out of here. And you ran to an altar. Oh, oh my God. Thank you, Lord, for an altar. Thank you, Jesus, for an altar. But the altar in your living room is not the same as the altar in the house of God. Oh, come on, somebody. you got to understand. Well, Brother Roberts, you just keep being Brother Roberts, but it's just one prayer meeting. It's just one midweek Bible study. It's just Sunday school. I don't need Sunday school anyway. No, 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 your attitude needs calibrating. Your spirit needs correcting. You need to get in alignment again. You're drifting. And if you keep traveling down that road, you're going to go further than you thought you'd go. You're going to miss your mark by the country mile. Somebody hear what I'm saying. You need the house of God. It's not just rhetoric. It's not because we want to see your face. It's because you need it because there's a current compromise that wants to move you. Second, they were, they were faced with learning a new language. Brother Eric talked about that this morning. He learned two languages and he said English is very difficult. But not only did their location change, but now immediately Babylon began to teach them their language. And their native language, their Hebrew language was discouraged at all times. Can I tell somebody that there's a language of the world and there's a language of the church? I'm not just talking about terms. I'm, talk, I'm not just talking about lingo, but I'm talking about the people of God have been given a holy language. We've been given a heavenly language. And I'm telling you that there is a, there's a current that's moving through the world that says, oh, you bunch of tongue talkers, that's just not necessary. No, you may think it may not be necessary, 
And there's something that you may be able to do at home, but there's just something about the body when they begin to engage together in a spirit of unity. Come on, somebody. There's a supernatural impact that begins to be released when we begin to talk in a heavenly language. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. He said, the wind is going to blow wherever it wants, and you can hear the wind. You just come, you just come, you don't know where it's coming from, and so you can't can't explain to people how they're being born of the Spirit. Can I tell somebody that prayer is still a source of Holy Ghost connection? Well, I used to be like you. I used to come and pray and pray and pray, but it's so boring. No, no, it's not boring. It's necessary. It's a recalculation. It's an alignment. It's getting me in line with the Holy Ghost. Oh, I don't understand. I, I, I just got some, some new desires and some new feelings because you missed the prayer meeting, because you missed... Oh, when was the last time some of you came in and knelt at an altar? When was the last time you come to a prayer meeting and said, God, it's me, it's me, oh God, in the need of prayer. I'm not praying for somebody or something. I'm praying God set me right. Get me back on course. Oh, sorry. You're more spiritual than I am. You're holier than me. Your attitude never gets affected by the rocking motion of the world. Your attitude is never affected by the rising and fall of life. Your spirit never gets out of joint because something's moving that you can't see or you don't understand. You are perfect and you're good to go all the time. No, 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 not, not me. I need the house of God. I need the house of prayer. I need a connection. I need a course. I got latitude, but I need some longitude. I need to get hooked up in the Holy Ghost. I need to find that place. Some of y'all think I'm crazy, but I've seen it. I've seen people when they first start, oh, they start missing a little prayer meeting. Then they start missing a little church. Next thing you know, they're missing everything. They're completely gone. They walked right out the door. Why? What happened? Because they lost that connection. They got drifted off. They, they looked around and said, no, I'm still in the ocean. I can still see land. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I, I came. Well, yeah. Well, it's a little further than it used to be, but I'm okay. It's okay. No, no. There's a dead reckoning because that captain and all of the captains of those 21 ships said, no, we're here. We're right here. We're good. We're going to come right down the middle of the English Channel. But four of those ships crashed into the rocks, and those men lost their lives because of a mistake. I don't want to make a mistake with my life. I don't want to make a mistake with my soul. I don't i got to be in the house of God. I've got to let the word of God correct me. I've got to let the word of God align me. I've got to get in a place of prayer. I've got to get alone with God and let God show me. Lost my reference point. Oh, I know. You don't even know. Tongues just aren't necessary, right? Tongues are a sign not to them to believe, but them to believe not. No, no, Paul said, I thank God. But I speak in tongues more than y'all. 
Why? Because Paul said, look, I can say what I want to. The words of my voice talking to God, they don't align me. But if I can get in the spirit, if I can get connected with God in the Holy Ghost, God can say, wait a minute. God can begin to correct me. But if all you're doing is telling and talking and not listening to the voice of God, then God can't correct you. They took those boys and they began to say, don't you talk in that Hebrew tongue no more. You shut up. You knock it off. Now you're going to talk Babylonian talk. We're going to teach you how to talk. We're going to teach you how to live. We're going to teach you what's right and what's wrong. We're going to fix all this stuff that you've been taught all your life. And if you're not careful, that spirit comes in and it tells you, you know what? It's more important what I say than what I do in the spirit realm. And it's not. I'd rather say, Paul said, I'd rather say one thing. I'd rather talk in tongues more than say one word in the natural tongue. Somebody needs to understand there's a connection that's made in the Holy Ghost that you're not going to get with a now I lay me down to sleep prayer. Can I tell somebody, don't lose your language. Don't lose the Holy Ghost because when you lose that ability to connect in the Spirit, you're going to lose your fire. And when you lose your, when you lose your fire, you got no more reference points. third thing they were faced with was knowledge. They were taught a new language, new ways of looking at life. And all their lives, they were exposed to Jewish wisdom. Now, every hour of every minute of every day, they're being force-fed Babylonian wisdom. Babylonian wisdom. Oscar Mayer Babylonian wisdom. They're exposed to things that they've never been exposed to before. Certainly it's a dangerous time for them. It's tremendous, it's tremendous pressure being exerted on them to conform to the world around them. And those dangers are real in the church today. We're being exposed at every turn to new ways of thinking. All you church people, don't you understand? Homosexuality is just an alternative lifestyle. No, I don't understand it. What was once considered to be a sin in America, alcohol use and tobacco consumption, once regarded as something sinful, is now just an average normal part of everyday life. The, the things that I was taught 50 years ago as a little boy about cursing and promiscuity and sexuality, not, not that long ago really, it was deemed by my society as wrong, is now prated and celebrated openly. It's no longer sin. It's just my choice. What's happened It's the spirit. It's that current of compromise that people don't even know. And most people don't even know they've moved not out of where. They've even drifted away. But what's going on is their latitude is straight, but their longitude has that point of separation. Can I tell somebody the word of God has not changed one bit? Come on. The Lord has not changed his mind about a single thing. Brother Steve, they can call us outdated and old because probably we are. It's all right. I don't know about all the technology stuff I'm working on. I'm trying. But what he said 4,000 years ago is still true today. Can I go a little bit deeper? What he said 3,000 years ago has not changed. What the Lord said 2,000 years ago still stands today. And I know, I know there's a current 
I know there's a motion that says, oh, you people are just too crazy, but it doesn't. Well, James, people are drifting. I see it. The church is not what it once was. They're, they're, uh, we're not as deep as we once were. The people of God are not as hungry as they once were. Why? Because there's just a little drift. It doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take a lot. The, the current doesn't have to be moving. The wind can be blowing. The wind can be blowing against the current. The current can be blowing. The waves, we look around, it's just calm and peaceful and everything's happy, happy, good, good, good. All of our life is great. We're at that point where we don't need anything and we just come to church to do our little thing. But there's a current moving. This word of God is right. And every spirit that you hear on that television or you look at on the internet, every voice that's coming out and saying this or that or the other thing that is contrary to this word is challenging us to make a concession. Challenging us to settle just a little bit. I don't want to settle. I don't want to make concessions. I don't want to start that. I, I know as you get older, things just naturally change. I've talked about this, and it is the gospel truth for my life. I'm not the person I was when it comes to my grandchildren. I would have what my daughter said. I would have beat my children half to death for some of the things that I do productively and actively with my grandchildren. <laughs> if I caught one of my kids throwing the ball in the house, it would have been murder. I would have gone to jail. And I sit in my house on a regular basis and play ball with my grandchildren. It's just a fact of life. It's just what it is. My daughter gets mad about it, but she just going to have to get over it because it is just a fact of life. But there are some people that bring the grandfather attitude with them to church and say, I used to worship. I used to shout. I used to dance. I used to pray at the altar. I used to pray with people. And they say, you know what? It's just I'm just older now. Just get over it, Pastor. Just go on. Just move on. I'm telling somebody you need that reference point. The Word of God is still true. It's not outdated. It's not overrated. It's not wrong. It's not, a, it's not an alternative. It's still the Word. It's still right. It's still holy. Come on, somebody. The Word is right. And you have got to be in a place to to hear it, to know, because one degree will put you off course. Do I like everything in the Word of God? I do not. Don't like it, some of it. Some of it rubs my flesh the wrong way, but God have mercy on me and help me to obey it even though it rubs me the wrong way. I'm telling you, just because it feels right does not make it right. Somebody hear this preacher. There's a spirit of compromise that is at work. Then they gave them new names. Oh, yeah. The world likes to label stuff, don't they? When they went into Babylon, they had great names. Daniel meant God is my judge. Hananiah, God is gracious. Mishael, God is without equal. Azariah, the Lord is my Helper, but they get down there, they're given names. Daniel becomes Belshazzar, which means Bel will protect. Bel was a Babylonian god, he's not a real true god, he has no power, no authority. Hananiah became Shadrach, which means the inspiration of the sun. Makes perfect sense to sun worshipers, but not to men of God. 
Mishael became Mishkak, which means I belong to Aku, again, another Babylonian god with no power and authority or anointing. Azariah would go a step further, and he would become Abednego, which means the servant of Nego. Nego, again, is another Babylonian god. And so what the world is trying to do is they're not only trying to change the church, they're trying to change our identity. Nebuchadnezzar's goal was to change how they thought and their identity. Can I tell somebody, you can't let this world change your identity. I know. No, 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 no. We have been given a name which is above every other name. At the mention of that name, every knee is... Come on, somebody. The world wants to take away the name of Jesus. They want to take away the authority. All that worship in the name of Jesus is just not necessary. It's just not needed. It's just not what you are. No, no, no. You may be older now, and you may be a little stiff, and you may not be able to dance as long, but, sweetheart, you need to get out of that seat once in a while, and you need to move those feet. Jacob was over 100 years old when he leaned on the cane. and began, Come on, somebody. Don't you let the world change your identity. I was born in an apostolic church of fire. Oh, I want to go out in a church of fire. What you talking about, Brother Roberts? I might have to go home and ice these knees to get back for Sunday night service. But if an athlete can do it to play ball, I can do it to worship the almighty God. I'm talking to some folks in this house. It's been a while since you took a lap. It's been a while since you danced down front. It's time to come. There's a spirit. I'm just not like that. Let your ball team start winning. Yeah, yeah. Love me some Florida Gators. I hope you're a Gator hater. I love some Florida Gators. But I don't ever want to give more energy or more desire, or more passion to a ball team than I do, come on, to the one who put his name on me, to the one who gave me authority, the one who, come on somebody, I want to preach the word this morning, there's a spirit of compromise that wants to take down the name. Finally, they were given a new diet. <laughs> so you got to, we're going to give you a portion of the king's meat. You, you, you boys going to get the best food in town. There were no Hebrew laws about the name. There was no revelation of Jesus' name. There was no Hebrew law about the changing of their identity. There was no Hebrew law about all of the things about learning Babylonian things. There was nothing in the law that told them they couldn't learn the science and the things that the Babylon could teach them. There was nothing there that told them they couldn't learn that stuff. 
They weren't under the New Testament. They were under the Old Testament. But they had very strict dietary laws that had been given to them by the Lord. And now they're faced with a new food. And this food was unclean. They knew by the Jewish standards that this food had likely been sacrificed to idols. And it would have ceremonially made them unclean and defiled them before the Lord. Every moment of every day, you are faced with choices that run contrary to what God has purposed for us. And the decisions of those choices that you're facing in, in 2021 that we didn't even face in 2000, in 2000 or 1990 or 1970, you're confronted with their choices about entertainment, music, and relationships. My dad had an amazing feature when I was a young man, he had five channels on his TV. Two of them we couldn't get. But he had an automatic TV. Before there were automatic TVs, he'd say, son, get up and change that channel. <laughs> Come on, some of you. But sure would tell the truth. Dad said, you. the first wrench I learned to use was a pipe wrench so I could go outside and turn the antenna. <laughs> True story. And we're inundated with the diet. Listen to me, church. We're being inundated with the diet of humanity. And I, it's not just me, but every single program coming out of Hollywood has homosexual lifestyle in it. Every single program that you're being force-fed in your home has promiscuity. Every single one of them has negative language and all of the things that we... It's a current. Oh, it's just a sign of the times. It's a current. There's an objective. There's a spirit to it. It's trying to, it's trying to get, because it knows if it can just get you to drift one degree. Why do you got to be so dogmatic? Why do you got to be so hard on this holiness issue? Why? Why? Because one degree will make you miss. If you were traveling from here to Washington, D.C., and you missed it by one degree, you would miss the city completely. I'm telling somebody in the spiritual realm, it's time for some moms and dads to set a new standard in the home and say, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to line this thing up. We're going to stand right. We're going to sit right. We're going to do right. You can't forget who you are. Oh, but Brother Roberts, I got my latitude. I see the message. I got my latitude. I got pastor on speed dial. I see my latitude. I know where the church is, but I'm talking about longitude. I'm talking about a spirit that's moving through the world, and it's coming in the church, and it's taking good people, and it's moving them off, and they're missing out on the blessing of God. And some of you good people are wondering what happened, and you're wondering, where am I? How come my situation has changed? Let me go back to prayer meeting. Let me go back to the Word of God. Let me go back to Sunday. To school. Let me go back to midweek Bible study. Because that's where the GPS aligns. That's where God's able to fix your position again and talk to you about those things. Here's the key. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. Musicians come. Daniel, how did these young men overcome this? How did they get beyond this overwhelming 
label and all of the stuff. They wanted to change their identity and their structure and everything about him. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. It's just a song. It's just Netflix. It's just Hulu. It's just, come on, somebody, hear what I'm saying. It's a degree. It's just a little bit. I'm talking to good people that love God. You've got your attitude fixed. Nobody could ever tell you there's not a God. They're never going to convince you of creation, right, versus the, uh, the whole, you know, the other thing, evolution. They're never going to they're never going to tear down creation in your mind. You believe it with all of your heart. They're never going to tell you that the word of God's not true. But we let little things. Fourteen year, fifteen year old boys. Two chapters later. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right, Hananiah. Right, Belshazzar, and my. They, those Hebrew boys with new identities three and a half years later would stand before the king in a fiery furnace because they made a decision at 14 or 15 years old and they never changed their mind. But if they had made a concession about the diet, if they had said, no, I can eat what I want to eat, it's okay, God understands. Remember heard that one? Anybody said that one? They made that concession three and a half years early. We'd never have the story, story of the fiery furnace because they wouldn't have been there to stand up for that. Because as soon as they make that concession, as soon as they let down that one degree, they miss the mark. We always talk about Daniel, the great man of God, but Daniel... Daniel, you, you, may know, you may or may not know, so Daniel was 80 years old when he got in the lion's den. He wasn't a young man. He wasn't 22 or 23. He was 80 years old. Daniel makes a decision at 14 or 15 that stuck with him until he was 80 years old. And now we've got an entire book of Daniel that we, listen, we're blessed because he made a decision. I'm talking to some people in this room. I'm talking to some moms and some dads that you can make some choices right now that you can look at 40 or 50 or 60 years if the Lord tarries and your children can look back and say, because you made that choice, I'm blessed. Because you didn't make a concession when the Spirit was moving you, when the current was shifting you. But somebody hear this preacher. I know it's a Sunday morning. I know I'm supposed to preach about running and shouting, but I'm talking to you about getting your life right. Daniel purposed in his heart. He wasn't an old man. He was a young man. Where's Chi-Chi? How old is Chi-Chi? 14. Imagine, I'm sorry, Chi-Chi. My goodness, I didn't see him standing up here. He's your age when he makes a decision. That doesn't just affect his future, it affects the future of an entire nation. It's spirit. Oh, it's just the wind blowing. It'll all change. It's just the tide moving, I know. It's just a current of compromise that tells you let down. It's okay if you cuss a little bit. It's okay if you drink a little bit. It's okay if you smoke a little bit. It's okay if you fornicate a little bit. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. The Word of God is still sure. It's still true. 
it's still right. I need this house of God more than I need my job. I, I do. I need it. I need a preacher who doesn't have any fear who will look me in the face and say, God said. I need a man of God who will, he's not scared to correct me when I need correcting. Why? Because there's a current that's trying to shift me off my path. And I need correction. I'll tell you one more thing, and I'm going to open the altar. I remember, I don't, I don't remember what it was. Sister Lawrence, you may remember, I don't know, it's 20, 30 years ago. Bishop preached a message about the men that went to the moon. And he said it was impossible in the 70s for them to guide that thing to the moon. But every minute, they had to make a course correction on that spacecraft going to the moon. Every moment or every minute, they had to change the direction because it was being affected by space. There's nothing in outer space. There's more wind on the earth than there is in all of space combined. There's nothing out there to affect it. And if they had to correct that spacecraft going to the moon every minute, he gave the statistic, and I can't remember, if they didn't correct it every minute, it would miss the moon by further than the distance it is from the earth to the moon. I need the Holy Ghost to correct me. I need the Word of God to align me. I got my latitude. I'm not... I'm good. I, I, there's the sun. There's the equator. It's hotter over there. It's cooler up there. Let's go that way. I'm good with that. But I got to walk in a world that is relative to emotion. And there's a dead reckoning of compromise. It took them another 20 years to figure out how to find good longitude and to save those sailors. We've got the Word of God, we've got the Holy Ghost. We've got good men of God who will help us get in alignment. We have no excuse. I got heaven in my sight. I got glory on my mind. And I don't want the current of compromise to move me off my course. This altar's open. I wish someone would come for a moment today before you go home. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus.